Peaceful greetings and welcome family and friends to another episode of the Help Podcast with me, Dr. Nasik, your friend. This is episode three, and in this episode, we will be discussing weight loss. Of course, we will be discussing weight loss from a holistic and more natural perspective. Now, there are several reasons why a person desires to lose weight. Some people are looking to shed pounds due to job requirements and so forth. Others may be trying to fit into an outfit that they like and feel that they need to be more skinnier to look more sexier in or something like that. And others, you know, some people do it to please others. Ugh. There are a lot of people who need weight loss in order to address health concerns or things like rehab after negative health episodes like heart attacks and diabetes, strokes and so forth. But from a holistic viewpoint, you and I will come to understand that any loss of weight should be done for the purpose of health and balance and not for cosmetic reasons or social approval. We don't need that. But people are naturally created in different shapes and sizes. So we should not strive to fit into a pigeonhole construct of beauty that's precipitated and perpetuated by unrealistic and fanciful ideas. I mean, that's just stressful. And we'll talk about stress in another episode. But there are physical, emotional, and spiritual rewards or ramifications to weight loss depending upon how you are going about trying to lose the weight. And of course, there are no shortages of diet books and gyms, medicine, surgery, etc. that are designed to help people lose weight. But first of all, let's be clear on the difference between being overweight and being obese. Okay. Now, a person who has excess muscle in relation to the weight of their internal organs are technically overweight. Overweight is five to 10 pounds above normal weight. Now, a person who has excess fat tissue in relation to the weight of their internal organs is technically obese. A person can be obese and not be overweight at all. A person can be overweight and not be obese. A person can also be overweight and obese. It's true. So now that you know that, we should also know that since the internal organs do not change their weight, the extra muscle and or fat causes unwanted stress on and deterioration of the internal organs. Overweight obesity is usually caused by malfunctioning digestive organs and or overeating. So what happens is that fat accumulates around the gut because the liver becomes too stressed to break down fat. The pancreas is weak and excess protein is turned into fat. The primary cause is overeating, especially the overeating of a processed junk food diet, which we call the SAD diet, the standard American diet. All right. I'm sure you've heard that before, but excess weight or fat. What that is, is actually the proliferation of extra cells that the body must find a way to try to maintain these additional cells of fat, they, they require energy that should actually be used for your immunity. So the fat tries to insulate the weak organs by keeping their low energy production protected. The fat increases as the functions of the organs begin to decrease. So 
fat becomes a storage place for waste and the fat cells, they stop the body's natural ability to cleanse and to maintain health. So ideally, what I'm trying to say is a person should technically be concerned with losing waste instead of losing weight. This waste, it is the waste that is impacted in the system from the overload of the junk food diet that contributes to what I just mentioned, that whole process. So let's look at some statistics here, right? Um, according to the CDC, which if you don't know, stands for Center for Disease Control Prevention, they say that the estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the United States was $147 billion in 2008. Now, that was 12 years ago, okay? And the medical cost for people who have obesity was $1,429 higher than those of people of normal weight. So if you were overweight or obese over that threshold, then your medical bills were $1,400, over $1,400 than the person who was at normal weight. Now, they also said that the prevalence of obesity was 39.8%, and that affected about 93.3 million U.S. adults between the year 2015 and 2016. Obesity-related conditions include heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and certain types of cancers that are some of the leading causes of preventable and premature death. So let's look at it just a little bit, right? So you had Hispanics, now they were about 47%, and non-Hispanic black people, or I guess we'll just say black people, were 46.8%, and they had the highest age-adjusted prevalence of obesity, and that was followed by white people, non-Hispanic whites, 37.9%, and Asians at 12.7%. So it also said that the prevalence of obesity was 35.7% among young age adults between the age of 20 to 39 years old, 42.8% among middle age adults aged 40 to 59 years old, and 41% among older adults age 60 and older okay now that those are staggering statistics right and it even showed that in 2018 that it was up to over 38 percent so i just wanted to go back 12 years ago and bring it up to now to see that to show that obesity and overweight issues are still uh, major issues childhood obesity is a serious problem in the united states as well because that's putting children and adolescents at risk factors for poor health. Okay. Now we say that we love our children and, you know, we should love our children. So we have to understand the implications of childhood obesity. Obesity prevalence among young children and adolescents is still way too high. For children and adolescents aged, let's say, 2 to 19 years old. The prevalence of obesity was 18.5%, and that affected 13.7 million children and adolescents. Obesity prevalence was 13.9% among 2 to 5 year olds, 18.5% among 6 to 11 years old, and 
well, actually a little bit above 20% among those who were 12 to 19 years old. So childhood obesity is also more common among certain populations, like Hispanics. That was 26%. Black people, 22%. They had a higher obesity prevalence than non-Hispanic whites, who were only at like 14%. They're children. And Asians were even lower than that. They were at 11%. So they had lower obesity prevalence than black people and Hispanic people. Now, important to note as well is that the prevalence of obesity, it decreased with the increasing level of education of the household among children and adolescents aged 2 to 19. Obesity prevalence was 19% among children and adolescents aged 2 to 19 years old in the lowest income group, 19 or 20 percent among middle income and 10 percent among those in the highest income group. So as the income group increased, the level of obesity decreased as well as the education. Now, nine states in the United States had adult obesity rates at or above 35 percent in 2008. As I mentioned, it was actually above 38 percent. And that was up from seven states at that level in 2017 and an historical level of obesity in the United States, the, the nine states that we're talking about, I believe um, was Alabama. It was Arkansas. It was Iowa. Um, of course it was Iowa. You know what they do for those political campaigns and stuff. They eat at the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the derbies, the rallies, or whatever. Um, so you had Iowa, you had Kentucky, you had states like Mississippi, North Dakota, West Virginia, Louisiana, right? Those um, those those Delta states, right? The, along the Mississippi Delta. But the report highlights that obesity levels are closely tied to social and economic conditions, and that individuals with lower incomes are at more risk. People of color, you know, my primary audience, although I'm here for everybody, right? We're here to help everyone. That's what this podcast is about is help. But I do love my people and people of color who are more likely to live in neighborhoods with few options for healthy foods and physical activity and are the target of widespread marketing of unhealthy foods are also at an elevated risk. And that should go without saying. But as I mentioned, you know, the more one is educated on proper nutrition and food choice, as well as given the opportunity for economic sustainability and access, there is a correlation of less occurrence of obesity. Now, unfortunately, in countries, you know, what they call developed countries, such as the United States, America, foods are deliberately manufactured to be addicting which contributes to the overeating and the adverse digestion of processed foodstuffs. And that's what I call them, foodstuffs. They used to be referred to as contraband years ago or pica, you know, because they were processed food. So it was sort of like uh, dirt. And we can get into how food is made and how it's processed and how a lot of the food and a lot of the prescription medicines are forms of synthetic dirt which would technically be called pica but anyway here's the thing about the the processed food stuffs now there are two hormones that i like to discuss 
Okay. One is ghrelin, which is referred to as the hunger hormone. And it sends a signal um, for you to eat. Okay. It sends a signal to the brain for you to begin to eat or to let you know that you're hungry. The other hormone is leptin, which is made by fat cells that decrease the appetite. And that sends the opposite signal for you to stop eating. Now, these hormones are designed to work in tandem with each other. They work together. Okay. They work in synchronicity with each other for you to be able to eat, stop eating, eat, stop eating. But it's on a rhythm. And unfortunately, this rhythm gets disrupted and gets kind of warped when we're eating out of an outside of a natural foods diet. So concentrated sweeteners and or concentrated starches, they stop the control of these hormones. Concentrated starches are created by breeding plants or what we call hybridization or uh, GMO plants because they increase the starch content of the plants and concentrates. What they do, they weaken the liver, they weaken the pancreas, which lowers the amylase, the lipase and protease secretions. Now, amylase, lipase and protease, these are enzymes. Okay, the amylase enzymes break down um, starches. The lipase enzymes breaks down fats. And the protease enzyme is designed to break down proteins. Okay. Now, what happens when these enzymes are lowered, the secretion of these enzymes are lowered, it causes what we call subclinical starvation. So when the ghrelin and leptin hormones is decreased and distorted, it causes a person to constantly eat and to constantly never feel full. This feeling of never feeling full indicates that the body's apostat or what's also called the appetite mechanism control it becomes imbalanced and this imbalance can be caused by emotional stress disease organs or even spiritual causes now cases of being over waste not overweight but over waste which we call overweight the cases of that being due to glandular disorders are very infrequent okay that's really not the case Overweight caused by malnutrition from eating the wrong foods like junk and processed foods are, in fact, the main cause. Undernourishment causes deteriorated organs to accumulate waste and toxins and fat. OK, so malnourishment, we talked about nutrition in the last episode. So we talked about what it is to be nourished and touched on what it is to be malnourished. So undernourishment or malnourishment like I said it causes the deteriorated organs to accumulate this waste in the system and these toxins and fats so this what happens is when when it accumulates the waste and the toxins and fats it begins to choke the healthy cells and it decreases the cellular life of those cells and it alters the path of the nutrients and the blood supplies now what this means is that the body will allocate nutrients to the fat cells and decrease those nutrients to the healthy cells. So I guess what I'm saying essentially in layman's term is that an obese person is actually expressing symptoms of nutrient starvation. 
They are, in fact, starving. You know, you eat foods that lack nutrients, don't really have nutrients in them. And so the body needs nutrients to function. It feels like, well, I didn't get any nutrients. So I'm going to turn on this hormone ghrelin. I'm hungry again. Okay. And so that's why a person can go eat some of these fast food stuffs, fast food stuffs, because that's what they are, food stuffs, um, and never feel stuffed. They they eat these foods. Um, you can go to McDonald's and get a number one, number two, three, four, five, whatever. And what happens is that five minutes later, you feel hungry again. Ten minutes later, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, whatever, you feel hungry again. And the reason why is because the body's never received the proper nutrient intake in the first place. So, like I said, when you see a person who is obese, technically they are starving. Okay. And when you see a person who's in the gym a lot, lifting a lot of heavy weights, getting a lot of uh, bulk muscle mass, uh, they're technically overweight. They are technically overweight and that, like I said, causes stress on the internal organs because the internal organs cannot increase their size in equivalent to the external compounding of the muscle. Okay, so weight is determined by the body mass index, also called BMI and the weight tables. The weight tables, they can indicate overweight and underweight. However, to be five or 10 pounds under or overweight is considered normal, according to that understanding. Um, Now, if that sounds right to you, I want you to think twice about that. Right. You can be five to 10 pounds under or overweight, and that's still considered to be normal. But actually, physical exercise activity is the ideal indicator of healthy weight rather than BMI or weight tables. A person getting adequate exercise of at least three days a week for about an hour per day, at least an hour per day that they're doing um, intense exercise and sweating. And at the same time, eating a whole and unprocessed foods diet, they can be under or overweight and actually be healthy. So there's no need to count calories when consuming whole and unprocessed calories. The problem becomes that people are eating empty calories. So those empty calories has an adverse effect on the body. So many times weight loss diets do more harm than the damage that is done by eating excess fat or having excess excess fat. The only weight that can be lost very quickly is water weight. So what happens is a person, they're taking these um, weight loss pills um, on these fad diets, these get lose weight fast diets, and they think they're shedding a lot of fat and waste, but what they're really shedding is a lot of water weight. And so after which time that person is going to have a rebounding effect and gain the weight right back. So it's better to lose the weight slowly. I mean, just like when we're a baby, um, or a fetus, we don't grow overnight. 
it's a gradual process to growth. It's in a cycle. We have to understand cycles. So losing the weight, if you were to lose two pounds a month, is better than losing 50 pounds in a month, right? You want to lose the weight gradually. You want to lose the weight correctly by eating whole foods, whole and unprocessed foods. So, I mean, abstaining from things like bleach white flour, white sugar, um, salt, um, junk foods, okay? Uh, animal milk, these things that has a lot of excess hormones contributes to the weight gain. And also important to note is that the liver has to be involved in the weight loss and exercise regimen. The liver must be protected and functioning correctly. And when you're exercising, a healthy liver is supposed to store up to at least six hours of energy. Okay. And we want to make sure that the blood is being cleansed and circulated. The toxins are being removed from the body. This is the functioning of the liver. So the healthier the liver is, the more you're able to have an effective weight loss regimen and a healthy and balanced exercise regimen. So we want to protect the liver. We want to consume um, herbs such as burdock root, dandelion root, red clover. Um, you know, these things are, are they help to tone the liver and allow the liver to properly do its job of detoxification, right? So again, that's burdock root, that's dandelion root, that's red clover, okay, to help cleanse the blood. And you can also drink water with lemon in it um, in the morning. Uh, it's going to help to stimulate the liver. It is going to have a positive alkalizing effect on the liver. Um, we want to do proper food combining like we discussed in the last, in the previous episode, not eating proteins and starches at the same time, not eating fruits and vegetables at the same time. This is also going to contribute to proper digestion, which will keep the waste flowing through the system. Okay. Um, I would encourage you to eat foods like flaxseed meals, um, chia seed meals, okra, uh, these things are going to help uh, fennel. These things are going to help to keep the digestive system cleansed, clean and to move waste through the system. Um, you also have natural herbs like hudia, uh, chickweed. Um, these things are designed to help stop the cravings for sugar, fat and salt, which will aid you properly in your weight loss regimen. So this is just a general overview of weight loss, why it's important, um, a few statistics on how it's been affecting uh, the country, our children, and ways to go about getting over the hump, so to speak, no pun intended, um, but getting over ourselves, getting out of our own way so that we can lose weight. Again, not for social approval, not for cosmetic reasons, but for health and balance. OK, so that's just a little help that I wanted to give you in that regard. And now to answer your questions that were sent to Nasik underscore 21 at Yahoo dot com. Again, that's N-A-S-I-K underscore 21 at Yahoo dot com. The question is, what are your thoughts on taking statins to reduce cholesterol and what is a healthier alternative?
that is a great question and coincidentally goes along with the topic of weight loss. Um, what I think of statin drugs, um, th- those particular type of drugs actually are suppressants, right? They suppress the central nervous system. In order for them to have any effect, they have to suppress the immune system, which actually is what we're not trying to do. The fat cells are already compromising the immunity and they have more uh, side effects than they do positive attributes. There are uh, great ways to have cholesterol reduction. But let's just be clear real quickly. Um, Animal protein, whether it's from chicken or beef or turkey or oxtails or pork or whatever your animal flesh of choice is, those are the only food substances that contain cholesterol. Uh, Eggs as well. Um, Even egg whites to a lesser degree. But those are the only foods that contain cholesterol. The body makes its own cholesterol. We talked about in this episode protecting and stimulating the liver. The liver actually uh, makes cholesterol. Okay. So all of the cholesterol that the body needs, the quote unquote good cholesterol is produced by your liver. So the healthier the liver is, the more it takes care of that. And the body has no requirement for external cholesterol. A plant-based diet, uh, more fruits and vegetables, legumes, they don't contain any cholesterol. So a natural alternative to reducing the cholesterol would be to change your diet to a predominantly plant-based diet. Um, I know everybody doesn't want to or won't, but the more you get to that level, the more positive effect that you would have. Um, There are also herbal things that you can take as well to help to reduce the cholesterol. You can take uh, gucalipids, which is spelled G-U-G-U-L-I-P-I-D-S, gucalipids and red yeast rice. That combination will help to uh, normalize cholesterol within six months. Okay. Um, There are also, excuse me, there are also foods that contain mustard oil that you can take on a daily basis that helps to thin the blood. They work as natural blood thinners to help protect the heart, which are things like uh, turmeric and onions and radishes and mustard oil. These things are going to help to um, thin the blood. And that red yeast rice and eucalyptus is going to help to normalize the blood pressure and take some of that stress off of your heart. So that's a great question. I hope that helps. And if you also have a question that you would like answered, please, again, send your questions to N-A-S-I-K underscore 21 at Yahoo.com and you will hear it on one of these episodes. Thank you very much for tuning in. It was a pleasure. And always Be a blessing and help others. Peace.